So human rights is a concept that is widely accepted today. Everybody knows that we believe in human rights. Everybody believes in human rights. We believe that everyone has certain natural freedoms and natural rights that no government and no individual can impede on these freedoms. So what we call today human rights has been set forth in our declaration of independence in this country where we declared or the framers declared we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. And indeed, the first 10 amendments of our constitution were called the Bill of Rights. And the goal was to enshrine many of these human rights into our constitution. They included freedom of speech, freedom of religious practice, right to a fair trial, um, right not to um, unfair seizure or search, and uh, multiple other rights that were included in our Bill of Rights, our Ten Amendments, that gave us individual rights, um, human rights. In France, um, a decade and a half later, they also threw overthrew the monarchy and declared a democracy. It wasn't as successful as ours. Um, they're already on number five. But um, they also had a Bill of Rights that they based on our Bill of Rights um, that they declared also that every person has the right to. Um, we later enshrined equality for all in our 14th Amendment after the Civil War. In 1948, the United Nations adopted the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, which has been ratified by 193 member nations in the United Nations. And so today, every country in the world, every government in the world, at least pays lip service to the concept of human rights, that everybody has rights. And so those rights are today accepted as universal, even though in practice, a significant number of countries, if not a majority, don't actually respect many human rights. Unfortunately, we have today a human rights council that is dominated by countries that are do not respect what we consider human rights. However, um, at least everybody play, pays lip service to the concept of human rights. And many of the values that we debate today in our society, and we have many values that are debated, particularly in our, um, particularly in our society today, that has many, many issues debated in our country is split on many, many different things. It's often framed in the question of human rights. What rights do we have? We debate gun rights. We debate free speech. We debate rights um, for marijuana or drug, or drug um, possession. We debate abortion. Every other de value debate is always framed in the same terms of human rights. What are our rights? You are infringing on our rights. So our question for today and topic for today is what does the Torah say? What does Judaism say about our rights? Does Torah recognize rights? Do we recognize human, universal human rights? So we're probably familiar that the values that we recognize here in the United States are often referred to as Judeo-Christian values. It's a term that's thrown around a lot, 
And um, it's based on the assumption, at least by many Christians in this country, that the source of our values comes from Judaism and Christianity, or somehow a joint, joint beliefs or joint values of Christ, Judaism and Christianity. And there's no question that many of the great values that our country and that really Western society was built on are really based on the Torah. We did a course last year where we spoke about um, how, which focused on different values that we have today that originated in the Torah. There's a great book called World Perfect by Ken Spiro um, that explains in detail um, many of the values that we today take for granted that came from the Torah. Some examples are respect for life. Prior to the Torah, life was fungible. In Roman society, in Greek society, life wasn't worth all that much. Babies were killed, unwanted children were killed, sick people were killed. This was not only Greeks and Romans. This was true in Asian societies, in um, early American societies, in indigenous American societies. People were killed, people were sacrificed in a lot of societies. So life was not really valued much. It is the Torah that gave us the infinite value of a human life. It's the Torah that told us that you must do everything to save a life. Every life is worth, is an entire world. We are told we have to be prepared to transgress almost any of God's commandments in order to save a life. Saving a life is more valuable than anything else and any life. Now we can get into details as exactly how do you define a life at the beginning of life, at the end of life you run into questions of exactly how that's defined, and that's an issue that's greatly debated, and that Judaism has some very clear views on, though without, we've discussed some of them in earlier classes. But without getting into the details of exactly how to define the life, before Torah, most societies did not see much value in a human life. The Torah gave us the infinite value of a human life. A human life is worth more than anything else. We do anything to save a human life. Another example is private property. Lewis? So Rabbi, um, there were many instances during the Holocaust when um, there, there were uh, Jewish people who would not give up their religion, would not say they're not Jewish, and it wound up resulting in their death. Is it, is it conceivable that that is the proper path for any rabbi to have taken to uh, the community? I wouldn't say any rabbi, I would say any Jew, and I wouldn't limit it to the Holocaust where most Jews in the Holocaust did not have that option of rejecting their Judaism um, because the Nazis killed all Jews, even if they were. No, but I mean, uh, many would, would have gone into hiding or would have taken on a Christian identity. History. Every Jew alive today is without a doubt descendants because it's happened so many times. We are without a doubt descendants of Jews who were given the option to convert out of Judaism or be killed and chose to be killed. We have had thousands, tens of thousands, not hundreds of thousands of Jewish martyrs. We did a class on Jewish martyrdom a couple weeks ago, and I'm going to refer you to that. It's on the podcast, my podcast, and you'll be able to see, you'll be able to 
get the details, there's no question that there are certain times when one must give up their life in order um, not to reject God, and there are certain values that are more important than life. But that said, human life is worth more than almost anything else. So, so when does that come into play? When, when is that decision? Really beyond the scope of our discussion today, and I'm going to refer you to the class that we did a couple weeks ago about martyrdom in Judaism. Okay. So another value that Judaism has given uh, us that we, today we take for granted Another value that Judaism has given us that today we take for granted is private property. And today, the Torah tells us um, that every person um, has, to, um, has the right to their own property. You cannot take from somebody else. Do not steal is the, one of the Ten Commandments. Um, you cannot take from somebody else without their permission. You cause someone harm. You have to pay for it. The Torah respects private property. Um, and every person had equal private property. And every person had their own rights to property. And uh, this is something that many societies did not respect private property. In many societies, everyone was property of the king. Everybody in tribal societies, everybody was property of the tribe. Nobody had their own property. Even in European feudal societies or in Asian feudal societies, many places in the world, they had feudal societies where serfs belonged to whomever and everything they owned belonged to the, um, the count or the baron, or whoever it was. So Torah gave us this value that every person owns their own property, has the right to their own property. Another important value that Torah gave us um, is sexual values, um, the value of marriage. A person should commit to, the Torah puts a very strong premium on marriage. A person should commit to a single individual uh, with whom they create their life, with whom they have their children. You cannot go from one person to the next. You cannot, um, you must make a commitment. You cannot have, um, you cannot have um, sexual relationships with, um, with relatives, with, um, or prohibits incest. And so the very concept of marriage and um, the prohibition of adultery or um, having or sexual relations out of marriage are all frowned on by the Torah. Now, most societies, the Torah itself is very clear that in the days of the Torah, the societies around them, the Canaanites, the Egyptians, they didn't have any sense of marriage as we know it today. They didn't have a family structure with two parents and children um, that stayed together. The parents stayed to raise the children. Everybody moved around. And so that value is, again, a value that Judaism has given humanity. A further value, that another example of value that Judaism has given humanity is the prohibition of being cruel to animals. Already one of our Noahide laws is we're not allowed to be cruel to animals. Um, in many other societies, cruelty to animals. The Romans had gladiator fights where they killed people, but they also killed animals at, um, for fun, um, for sport. Even today, believe it or not, there are many sports. Most of them, are, thankfully, are illegal, but there are many people who have sports where they that cause harm to animals just for fun, for sport, something that the Torah, of course, forbids. That's unacceptable in Judaism. We don't, we don't celebrate or enjoy cruelty to animals. Again, something that the Torah does, um, gave us that has today entered human consciousness and is widely accepted as a value. So there are many values that we have today that we would today call rights, human rights, that are 
um, that really can be traced back to the Torah, didn't really exist in society prior to the Torah. Some of those values came to our, like, uh, some of those values came to our society, also the value of helping others, caring for those in need. The Torah is very clear about the need to help everybody in need. Um, another value the Torah has given us, the value that everybody's equal before the law is a value that the Torah has given us. So there are many values that we got from the Torah, some of which um, came to our society as a result of society accepting our monotheistic religions that were built on the Torah. So Christianity, Islam took a lot of these values and enshrined them in what became Christian and Islamic values, hence Judeo-Christian values. Many of these values though, um, were not originally accepted by the church or by Islam and were only later in the, in the period of reformation and enlightenment, only later in the, 16th, in the 17th century, 18th century, um, enlightenment scholars who now read the Bible went back and found these values and brought it back to us. So many of those values weren't such as equality, um, freedom for all, those kind of values did not originally exist, but were given, were found from the Torah later by Enlightenment scholars, many of who trace back their original ideas to the Torah. John Locke is, a, um, is an example of it, who traced their values and they found them in the Torah. Bart. Uh, yes, um, let's see. Yes, can you comment on, uh, you said uh, we have a, um, in the Torah, to take care of the poor. Um, what extent uh, uh, are we, uh, can you give us a little more color or explanation as to how much we should uh, give to take care of the poor, particularly in today's world where there's a lot more poor people because of the pandemic? We're here, it's a subject for another class because okay. it's, um, it's, it's really the question of charity. We actually have done a class on charity I think we have it on the podcast. I'll, if I remind me afterwards, I'll send it to you. Um, definitely a subject that we should address again because it's a very, very important one. But definitely the, the um, giving from our own and giving to others is a very important Jewish concept. Caring for everybody is a very important Jewish concept. It's something that the church took from us, um, also believed in caring for the poor. Um, Christianity took from us. Islam took from us. But um, it was limited until more recent times where it was again rediscovered in from the Torah and um, brought back into um, social consciousness and today it's a standard every society today cares for its poor. Whether we do enough or not is a subject of its own. Okay so do yes but Lewis. Um, going back a couple of minutes you were talking about marriage and the sanctity of marriage and, uh, and the, uh, how it relates to the Torah and, and our faith. Um, in what context would, was Abraham okay to take Hagar as a second wife? How was that condoned? That's an excellent question. Um, the Torah originally allowed for polygamy, um, and Jews rarely but did practice polygamy for quite some time. Um, it has since been outlawed in Judaism. Now, why the Torah allowed for polygamy is, again, a discussion of its own. We did a class about it, I think about three or four years ago. It was one of the earlier classes that we did. Uh, but it's definitely one something we should address again. It's a great question. So getting back to our question, do human rights come from the Torah? 
So many, what we would call today rights, definitely do come from the Torah. Many rights can be traced back to the Torah, as we've pointed out. Um, the, however, the concept itself of human rights is not mentioned in the Torah. In fact, the very word rights in Hebrew today, they call it zechuyot, or zechuyot adam, is human rights. Is not mentioned anywhere in the Torah, or anywhere in our oral Torah, in the Talmud, in, um, in the Mishnah, in other works of our oral teachings, of our Torah, we don't find anywhere the term zechuyot, rights. The first one to use that term, um, it's usually associated with John Locke from the 17th, lived in this, an English philosopher lived in the 17th century, who spoke of natural rights that every person has. Later, it was only later that, it, that the term human rights came into use, but it was called for a while natural rights or individual rights. So this concept, where, does, where the, though does this concept come from? So historically, the concept of rights is usually traced back to the Magna Carta. The Magna Carta was a document written in England in 1215, so over 800 years ago. What happened was in the 13th century, the English barons fought with King Charles. He was a weak king. And the English barons, he had many demands, taxes in particular of the barons. Barons didn't like it. They had a war. And um, as a result of this war, they demanded, the barons won the war, and they demanded that the king agree to certain freedoms that the barons had, certain rights that the barons had that the king could not take away. And in that Magna Carta was the original charter where the king agreed that the barons in England had certain rights that could not be taken away. And this Magna Charta was updated and adjusted over the years um, for the, referring to the rights of the barons, of the nobles that lived in England. In this sense, rights then are what we could call independence from the rule of others. The king is the ruler, was a recognized ruler of England at the time. However, he had limits on his rule. There were certain freedoms that the barons had that the king couldn't take away from them. And included in those were um, limits on, what, on how he could tax. Um, he couldn't unfair seizure, right to, right to fair trial, if there, the king, there was complaints against them and the like, there were certain rights that every baron had essentially being independent of the king, limits to the power of the king. So later, um, as uh, philosophers discover, discussed in the 17th and 18th centuries, rights, they based it on the concept of the Magna Carta. There are limits to the power of government. There are limits to the power of the king. There's only so much that the king can do. Everybody has their own rights or everyone has their own freedoms that government cannot take away from them. Later, the U.S. Constitution was a huge step up from the Magna Carta. It was the first real document that we would recognize today as a document of freedom enshrining people's rights. And while the Magna Carta gave these rights to um, gave these rights to the nobles, and later they were given to all free Englishmen. Um, in the U.S. Constitution, we gave, and Declaration of Independence, they gave these rights to all people. It wasn't really all people we know, um, because they still 
condone slavery, at least some of them, but at least in theory, they gave these rights to all people. The basis of these rights is either self-evident, um, God uh, or God-given, sometimes we call them as natural rights, um, that every person has regardless of the law, regardless of the interests of government or leaders, everybody has um, everybody has these rights. And this was declared in, the, in our constitution. We declared these rights, sorry, in the Declaration of Independence, we declared these rights to be self-evident, that everybody has certain rights, certain freedoms that government cannot take away from them. Now, there was much debate as to what exactly those rights are. The initial framers themselves debated. There was debate among these framers as to whether those rights would allow for slavery or not. Some of whom were abolitionists, strongly rejecting slavery, some of whom supported slavery. Since then, we have much had much debates over what those rights include. Do they allow for segregation? Do they allow for eugenics, which was a movement to um, kill or at least um, for, um, or at least sterilize people that were bad, bad, believed to have bad genes? Um, do they give us rights to own guns? Do they give us rights to abortion, rights to gay marriage? All sorts of debates that we've had in the years since as to what those rights include, but we believe that every person has those freedoms that the government does, cannot take away from them. And so as a society, uh, as society has evolved, and we've evolved in the 250 years or so since our constitution was written, our sense of rights, which are self-evident and absolute, have also evolved and continue to evolve with time. Yes, Don. Among those rights that are often debated uh, is the right to privacy. And I'd like to know if any of these uh, founding documents, Torah, Magna Carta, uh, you know, Constitution, do, is there anywhere where the right to privacy is explicitly stated? I am not a constitutional expert. I cannot speak for the Constitution uh, or the details. Um, there are definitely laws that speak about privacy. Um, I don't know. You have to really ask a lawyer. Um, the Torah does have rules of privacy, uh, and it's really a discussion of its own. The Torah's rules of privacy, uh, maybe it's a class that we can schedule um, on that topic. It's a fascinating. Love to hear it. Thank you. So clearly, many, uh, so while, so these human rights that we declare either self-evident or God-given, there was some debate among the framers um, as to whether they were self-evident or God-given hence the two terms in our declaration, um, whether they were essentially natural rights, as John Locke thought, or they were God-given that could be found in the Bible, as some um, Christian philosophers thought. I guess it's something that continues to be debated in our society today. So while we believed, uh, while our government, the United States, and every almost every government since has been created on this sense of human rights laws, um, rules that limit the power of government, um, even limit the power of one person over another. Today we have rights, um, not only from government, but from um, corporations, from other people in power, um, even if it's local power or power, um, uh, or, or power at work or power in anything else, um, limits on people's power. However, Judaism 
was, is created very, is runs in a very different system. While rights are created to protect people, protect people from other people who are going to harm them. The reason why we have rights is sometimes people take away freedoms from others. Governments take away freedoms from others. The rights tell me that government does not have the right to take away my freedom. I have the right to freedoms that nobody can take away from me. It was created in order to protect people from harm. Judaism, however, was not created to protect people from harm. Judaism was not created to enhance our lives either. We believe that God created the rules of Torah. The rules of Torah are themselves the source of life. Unlike our society that came as a result of societal problems, we made laws and rules, we have a problem, we make a rule to fix it. As society evolves, more problems creep up, we create social media, social media creates all sorts of problems, we need to have more laws to rein in social media, or maybe to give more freedom to social media, depending on your view. But we need, as society evolves, we create laws in order to control society so that we can to avoid societal problems. Judaism, however, the Torah's laws weren't created to build a better society. The Torah's laws were created to fulfill God's will on earth. God created us and said, this is how I want you to live. This is what I want done in this world. Now, to be clear, we do believe that Judaism and the laws of the Torah will cure many societal ills. Torah has the solution to many societal problems. However, that is not the goal of the laws of the Torah. The laws of the Torah were not created to fix societal problems. The laws of the Torah were created to live a God-given life. The laws of the Torah were created to fulfill God's will on earth. So yes, the rules of Torah make our life better, enhance our lives and enhance society, but that is not their goal or their purpose. They are there to, to do what God wants of us. God said, I created you, I created the earth, I placed people on earth, and I gave you commandments because this is what I want done. Now, it will also make you a better society, but the reason why you do it is not so that you should have a better society. The reason why you follow these laws is because God told you to do so. This is God's will on earth. So unlike our, our rules are man-made to fix our problems, God's, the Torah's rules are God-made to fulfill God's plan for creation. To take it a step further, if we wanted to do things to make society better, well, we want people to be happier. So therefore, as part of our values, as part of our rights would be freedom, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. What else do people need? What else do people want? Make people happier. Give people what they want. Give people what they need. Give people freedom. That would be our societal Give everybody the best that, or give everyone the most that they want without harming each other. Make our society better. Make people happy. 
That would be society rules. That's the way our society is built. But from a Torah perspective, God didn't give us the commandments to make us happy. Now, they do make us happier, but that's not why God gave us his commandments. He gave us his commandments so that because that's what God wants us to do. We don't do it to be happy, nor do we do it to be free. The goal of our commandments is not liberty. In fact, the commandments are limiting somewhat. They take away our liberty. Can't do this, can't do that. Got to do certain things. They take away our liberty. God is not, didn't say, I want you to follow these commandments to have freedom and happiness. God says, now you will be happier with these commandments. It's a side benefit. But that's not why God gave it to us. God gave us these commandments because that is God's will on earth. That is why God created us. So the Torah has a totally different purpose than our value system as we have it today, than our right system as we have it today. Our right system were built to protect people from each other, to protect people from government, to make society better and to improve society, to make people freer and happier. God's commandments were given to us to fulfill God's will on earth. So that we fulfill, we do what we were created for. Now they will make society better, side benefit. They will make us happier, that's a side benefit. But the reason why he gave it to us is not to improve society or to make us happier or to make us freer. The reason why God gives us our command, his commandments is because that is what he wants us to do. That is our purpose of creation. So clearly, while many of the specific values that we have, that were given to us, that we have as human rights, that we took from Torah, come from Torah, and can be traced back to the Torah, the very concept of rights and laws as we have it today is, doesn't, isn't compatible with Torah, or is compatible, but is not the same as Torah, has a totally different goal, has a totally different purpose is created in a totally different way. Man-made rules are man-made to protect people. Man-made or that values that we man, people enshrine are to protect people from each other, from those in power, to make people happier, make people freer, to make society better. God-made rules, on the other hand, are there so that we should fulfill God's will on earth. They will, in turn, make society better and make us happy but that's not their purpose or their goal. So for that reason, there is a key difference between what today we call rights and the commandments of our Torah. Today, modern values, the goal of human rights is to protect people from societal ills. God's goal is for us to fulfill what God expects of us. So therefore, we humans have today, we have human rights. Every person has a right. You have certain independence, certain entitlements. You are entitled to freedom. You are entitled to privacy, if it's such a right. You're entitled to life. You're entitled to liberty. You're entitled to happiness. You have certain rights, certain entitlements. Nobody can take away from you. Those are human rights. Or it doesn't give us... Those entitlements, as we said, where do they come from? They come from the original rights that the barons took from the king of England. 
The Torah, though, doesn't give us that. You're entitled to nothing. You have no rights, no entitlement whatsoever. The Torah does not mention the Hebrew word zechuyot, rights at all. You have no right to nothing. What you have is obligations, commandments. God has given every Jew 613 of them. You've got to fulfill all of these obligations. Torah doesn't say you have the right to life. Torah tells us, do not kill. Doesn't say you have the right to personal property. Torah tells us, do not steal. It doesn't tell us you have certain rights. It tells us this is what you must do. This is how you, you, you people should act. We Jews were given 613. We believe all of humanity was given the seven Noahide laws. Their laws, commandments. Sheva mitzvot. Yeah, the seven Noahide commandments. Given this is what you should be doing. This is how you are supposed to live your life. Not rights, not entitlements, but the way you are supposed to live your life. So, therefore, Torah doesn't discuss rights, but duties. Take, for example, in marriage. Torah was way ahead of its time when it came to marriage. Torah gives, the Torah gives certain um, obligations that a husband must give his wife and vice versa. There are no rights that a wife has from her husband or that a husband has from his wife. He's not entitled to anything from her. She's not entitled to anything from him. But the Torah says explicitly, the husband must provide his wife with food, shelter, and, um, sex and intimacy. So there's rights. And then in addition, we have other rights um, that are given um, that women have, that husbands must provide for their wives, right? Pro, uh, obligations husbands must provide for their wives, obligations wives must provide for their husbands, obligations within marriage. This is going back to a time when husbands were obligated to do absolutely nothing for their wives. They weren't even punished for killing their wives in many early societies. But in Torah, we had many rules as to how a husband had to treat his wife. But they were all duties. There was no rights. It wasn't that anyone had entitlements or rights. Each side had obligations to the other side. The husband had obligations to his wife to support her, to take care of her, to provide her shelter, to pay for her medical needs, to even one of the rights, one of the, sorry, duties is if a woman is taken captive, the husband must pay to, pay to free her. She dies, got to pay for her burial too. These are all obligations. They're all written down in our ketubah when you get married, all these obligations. These are all obligations that the husband has to his wife. Not rights, but obligations. And understanding this, understanding that Judaism does not have rights, only has obligations, really explains a lot of differences between our modern ethics and laws of the Torah. While in many ways, while in many ways, many of our values today, many human rights that we hold dear today can be traced to the Torah, we gave a number of examples earlier. Right, uh, the right to life comes the Torah's value of life, right to personal property, Torah's value of personal property, um, right to um, equality before the law. Torah says everybody should be treated equal before the law. So many of our values today can be traced back to Torah. There are also a certain contradictions between Torah and modern value. There are some, not a lot, but there are some, and they're the ones that everyone notices, there are some contradictions between Torah and values today. 
Now, because firstly, Torah's God-given duties, obligations, and our values today are rights, rights that people make. People declare that they have rights to this and rights to that, rights that society makes to protect people. But because our rights today are man-made, they're constantly evolving. They change to fit our needs. They change to fit our society. And that's why we sometimes we even have to change our constitution. We have a process of amending the constitution as we need. Originally, slavery was legal in this country. Then the 13th Amendment outlawed it. Originally, not everybody was equal under the law, at least not under state law. And then the 14th Amendment changed that. So we've added rights over the years as we needed to. We've changed things, righted wrongs, or changed our values. And our values continue to change whenever new scenarios arise or sometimes just public values evolve over time, we change our basic values. God's rules, though, are God-given. They never change. So while modern laws can be amended, where modern values can change, if we feel it's wrong, we change them. That's why we have elections, because sometimes we want to change our values. And we celebrate that our, when we do change it, that it means our society is now better. Till now, something's we're one way, and then thanks to court decisions or thanks to decisions made by our, um, by our elected government or thanks to constitutional changes, we've made our society better. At one point, we thought that it was better not to have alcohol. We changed our constitution to uh, enshrine prohibition that alcohol was illegal in this country. Later, we decided that wasn't such a good idea, that alcohol might not be such a bad thing after all. Um, we still can't make up our mind when it comes to um, other mind-altering drugs. So, so in that sense, our rights change based on the beliefs of society. Just two decades ago, it was widely believed that um, gay marriage was bad, was wrong. Today, most of majority of our society believes that it's good. So values clearly change. And as they change, our society has the ability to change them. The Torah's values, though, never change. So even as society changes, the Torah's values don't change. And even if we think sometimes that somebody is wronged, somebody's missing an entitlement, it's unfair that Torah doesn't grant them this right. The rights of the Torah are not about giving us our entitlements. The rights of the Torah are about giving us our obligations. And so it's not something that we really have a say in. We don't get to choose our rights in Torah. And in fact, there are rights that maybe we wouldn't recognize as necessary. Obligations that maybe don't make any sense. And yet we do them anyway. One great example is our mitzvah, one of our 613 commandments, is the mitzvah of circumcision. The mitzvah of circumcision is something that every Jew knows is fundamental to being Jewish. We circumcise our baby, our boys when they are eight days old. Very important mitzvah. Why do we do it? If you think about it, if you had never heard of circumcision before, it would sound like a crazy mitzvah. Why would you do such a thing? In a sense, it's even barbaric. There's always been forever this movement to try to outlaw circumcision. Uh, and it, it keeps popping its head up again and again, again and again 
but I think in Germany recently there's been some laws against circumcision in Europe. Uh, but every once in a while there's these rules. But if you think about it, is it the right thing to do? Should the child maybe decide to circumcise? I sometimes people tell me the child should decide themselves whether they circumcise. Maybe they should. From a pure humanistic perspective, why would you do it? So why indeed do we do it? Why do we circumcise our children at eight days, our sons at eight days old? Because God commanded us to do so. We were told to do so. And that's our obligation. Doesn't matter if we like it or not. Doesn't matter if we feel the child should be circumcised or should not be circumcised. That's our obligation. We don't ask the child if they want it. We don't wait till they're old enough to decide on their own. That's what we were told to do. So that's what we do. Our commandments that God gave us, we do because that's what we were given. That's what God told us to do. Those are our duties. We don't get to choose, pick and choose. It's not 10 multiple choice. It's 10 commandments, not really 10, but it's not multiple choice. It's commandments. They're not optional. They're required. They're duties that God gave us. We don't choose which ones we like and which ones we don't like. God said, this is what I want you to do. And then th that's what we are going to do. That is how we fulfill God's will. That is what we do. God says, you're, this is what I want you to do. And this is what you're going to do. Let's start by cutting off your child's foreskin. So do human rights, does Torah believe in human rights? Well, many particular rights that we value today comes from the Torah. Many rights that we value today originate from the Torah. That's where they came from. That's where they came to humanity. We believe in them today because the Torah gave it to us. Many of the most important rights that we hold dear. Yet the very concept of rights is not recognized by the Torah. Both because the Torah doesn't recognize any entitlements. Rather, we have duties, obligations that we are supposed to fulfill. And because obligations are not man-made, they're given by God. We don't get the choice to choose them. We don't choose them based on popular vote, what most people want, based on referendum, rather based on what God told us. So there are really two different systems we can say. Human rights, modern, natural rights that we believe in today, or God-given rights according to some that we believe in today, and rights to, and the Torah's obligations, God's obligations to us. Which system's better? Well, the truth is they work together. They complement each other. Thanks to modern human rights, thanks to our constitution, which the First Amendment enshrined for us, the freedom of religion, we have the right to practice our religion and follow our obligations and duties to God. So the two are both good. We're lucky to live in a country with rights. We're lucky to live in a country with freedoms. We're lucky to live in a country where we have the right to practice religion as we want and many other freedoms and rights. And yet at the same time, we, our values are not limited to human rights. Our values are not limited to popular culture or whatever the culture believes we're entitled to today. Our values are based on what the Torah tells us are true values. So both are true. There are rare instances where the, tr where the two conflict. In those rare instances, we will take the side of Torah. But generally, we're lucky to live in a society where human rights themselves recognize our freedom of religion, our freedom to practice Judaism, our freedom to practice Torah as we will. And so 
But therefore, while there are variations between modern values and Judaism, and we could think of a number of, there are many ways we are, there are many values that modern rites have taken from Judaism. There are certain variations um, where Judaism doesn't entirely recognize rites as we have today. Yet, thankfully, we live in a society where by and large, human rights recognize our right to practice the Torah and to follow the God-given duties. So to answer our question, does Judaism Torah believe in human rights? Yes, many values of human rights, many of its central tenets and great values that we hold dear today come from the Torah, yet the very concept of human rights, man-made and man-decided human rights, um, is not recognized by the Torah, but we are very lucky that the human rights that we, have give, that we have given today and the rights that are enshrined in our constitution allow us to fulfill the duties that God has given us within the Torah. And we therefore should continue to support those rights um, and continue to insist on those rights that we can continue to fulfill the duties that God gave us in the Torah. However, when there are debates, public debates, and we have many of them currently going on about certain values, are those values true? Are they not? We as Jews should turn to our Torah and say, what does the Torah say about these values? Does the Torah recognize these values? Does the Torah see these as rights or good things? Or does the Torah see them as something negative? And there are certain things that today we believe might be rights or society by a large believes are rights that the Torah clearly rejects. And those things, and we look at the Torah, we say, well, we don't think that we have a right or anyone has a right to that, given that the Torah rejects it. The Torah says that it's ethically wrong. So I thank you for joining us, learning about human rights and uh, uh, the Jewish perspective on human rights. Next week, 